The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, December 24, 2023, on the basis of Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Just in case you're running a little late this year, and as soon as this service is over, you're planning on booking it over to Target and doing your last-minute Christmas shopping. Don't worry, I've got you covered. I googled how to buy the perfect Christmas gift and checked through the first few websites and they all had one tip in common. Look for a gift that improves some small area of someone's life. So if they don't like vacuuming, get them a Roomba. If it normally takes them an hour to dice up the onions, get them a veggie chopper. If they haven't read a good book in a while, look for a mystery novel. People love receiving these gifts. We love getting gifts that improve our lives in some incremental way. And of course, the ad companies know this already. They know us too well. And so every ad in every product in the Christmas catalog promises to make our lives a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit more efficient. We're used to this. We're used to looking for ways that we can gradually and incrementally improve our lives in Christmas presents and in other areas of life. We hope for incremental improvement. We hope to improve our skills bit by bit. We hope that next year we'll make a, just a little bit more money than this year. We might try to improve our health one day at a time. And all of these are good things. It's good to set attainable goals. But we run into problems when we put our expectations of gradual, incremental improvement onto our God. Because God is not like an advertiser that promises to make our lives a little bit easier here and a little bit happier there. God is not like a life coach that promises if we follow his steps, our habits will be completely changed. Those promises are too small for God. God's promises blows those promises out of the water. No one makes promises as big as our God does. And with this promise, spoken specifically to Mary by Gabriel, God disrupts our constant search for incremental improvement with the eternal establishment of his son's reign. Or in other words, God gives us so much more than what we're normally looking for. First, we'll look at the promise that God makes us, and then we'll look at the big sign that he gives us so we can trust his promise. So first, the promise that God makes us. God has been in the promise-making business for years. As long as humans have been around, God has been making us promises. And we had an example of that in our first reading for today. God made David a whole slew of promises. And these were no stocking stuffer promises. God promised David that he would make him to be one of the great kings of the earth. God promised to give Israel peace from all her enemies. God promised David that his family would be the only family to sit on the throne in Jerusalem. But as big as those promises were, God goes on to make a promise that dwarfs the rest of them. God told David that David's offspring would rule on the throne forever. But there was a problem. God's promise didn't seem to pan out. David died. 
and the first generation of his offspring, his son Solomon, came to the throne. And Solomon ruled for many years, but not for forever. And then Solomon died, and his son Rehoboam came to the throne, and Rehoboam too did not last forever. King after king after king came to the throne, and king after king after king died. You can imagine how discouraging this would have been for God's people. With each new king coming to the throne, they thought, maybe he's the one. Maybe he is the one who God was talking about, that he will establish his throne, and he will usher in a godly kingdom over all the earth. And yet with each king's death, they were disappointed once again. And eventually the line of kings ran dry completely. King Zedekiah was the last one. His armies were defeated by Babylon, and along with them, all the hopes that God would establish an eternal kingdom seemed to be defeated too. But before you say that you can't relate to putting all your hope in a human ruler, we turn to the gospel reading, where God makes Mary and us almost the exact same promise that he made to King David. God's angel messenger Gabriel comes to Mary and he says, Mary, your son is going to be that offspring of David. Yes, that one. He will usher in an eternal rule. He will sit on the throne forever. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas, that God kept his promise in the miraculous birth of Jesus to a virgin Mary, and he rules forever. But there's a problem. Does it seem like God's promise is panning out? Look around at your world. Does it seem like Mary's son is reigning? If Jesus is on the throne, wouldn't we expect churches all over the world to be overflowing instead of closing at a record pace? If Jesus were on the throne, wouldn't we expect there to be more good news than bad news instead of the other way around? If Jesus is ruling in our lives on a personal level, why do we still struggle with that one sin? Or why is there still strife in our relationships? Jesus came to bring peace on earth. Why does peace seem so hard to come by? These questions are natural for us to ask because we're so, look at, we're so used to looking for improvement to come step by step. We're in this mindset of gradual, incremental improvement. And when we focus on these relatively small issues, we miss the big picture. Or rather, we forget God's big promise. We forget that God isn't so concerned with all these small things. God didn't promise to improve each generation of humanity so that as the years go on, there would be less and less sin. God never promised to gradually reduce the strife in our relationships. God never promised to help us conquer first one sin, and then another, and then another, so that eventually we're just about perfect. God doesn't make pr promises like our politicians do, that if he's elected, our lives will be so much better than they were over the past four years. No, those promises are too small for our God. God's not so interested in these little incremental improvements in our quality of life. God's interested in saving our lives. God's interested in solving all the problems, all the pains and sufferings, all the despairs and the depressions, all the longings and the imperfections 
of his entire creation all in one fell swoop. And so God promised to send Jesus. He promised to send Mary, that descendant of David, who would live, die, and rise again. And he promised he would establish his throne forever. And Jesus is ruling the whole world. He rules it in such a way that he guides everything that happens, everything, for the maximum benefit of his people. This is what God means when he promises Mary that her son will reign forever. Not that Jesus will make our lives a little bit easier here and a little bit happier there, but that he guides all of history to preserve us in our faith, to bring us to be with him, to live in perfect peace forever. That's the big promise that God makes. And he backs it up with a big sign. We're like Mary. We trust that God has the power to fulfill his promise. But we're also like Mary in that we understand that what he's promising her is biologically impossible. The scene is pretty incredible. Whenever an angel appears before a human, the human being is always terrified because we humans are sinful and angels are perfect and holy. And this instance is no different. Gabriel appears to Mary in all of his perfect holiness and power and glory, and he says, Mary, you are going to have a baby, and your son will be named Jesus, which means the Lord saves, and your son will be the ruler over all history. He is the pinnacle of history. He's the one that people have been waiting for for years, and he's the one that people will look back to for as long as time goes on. Your son will reign forever. And Mary says... Wait, go back to that first part. I'm going to have a baby? How's that going to happen? How will this be since I am a virgin? I don't think Mary was doubting that God has the ability to bend his creation to do whatever he wants it to do. I think she was asking an honest question. She was genuinely wondering how this thing that seems impossible was going to happen. And her question might remind us of the honest questions that we have for God. Yes, we trust that Jesus is reigning, but sometimes we wonder about the details. We wonder how his plan is unfolding. We wonder about his tactics that he uses to get us from point A to point B. If he's guiding history for my maximum benefit, is allowing sin to remain in my life really the best way to go about that? Is allowing sinful ruler to succeed sinful ruler really the best way to bring about peace on earth? Is allowing churches all over the world to close by the thousands the most efficient way to bring the maximum amount of people to faith in Jesus? Yes, we trust that Jesus is reigning, but when we look at our imperfect world and then we hear about how perfect Jesus is, the disconnect there seems so great that it seems impossible that perfect Jesus is ruling our world. It can seem impossible that God's promise to Mary is being fulfilled. It can seem about as impossible as a virgin having a baby. But of course, the virgin did have the baby. That's what we're all gathered here celebrating. It's important for us to remember, just like it was important for Mary to remember, that God knows more than us. It's important for us to remember when we have these honest questions, Gabriel's words to Mary, that no word of God will ever fail. 
No promise of God will ever go unkept. And so when we think about these honest questions that we have, God knows that there's a disconnect in our lives between the imperfect world and his perfect Savior. And God knows that his miraculous way of doing things blows our human minds out of the water. I think it's safe to say that nobody's mind was more blown than Mary's. And so God gave her a sign so that she could trust that his promise to her would be fulfilled. Gabriel pointed her to her relative Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant at this time. Elizabeth had been barren her whole life. She had been unable to conceive. And now she's an elderly lady, and yet here she is, six months pregnant. Think about it. If you lived in Nazareth at this time and Mary was going around telling everyone that, yes, she's pregnant, but she's still a virgin, you might have your doubts. She was telling the truth, of course, but I'd forgive you if you were a little suspicious at first. But Elizabeth being pregnant, this lady who was unable to conceive her whole life and now she's well past childbearing age, and yet here she is, six months pregnant, that's an undeniable miracle of God. And that is God's sign for Mary. That just as he is powerful enough to give Elizabeth a baby, he's powerful enough to give Mary a baby too. And God gives us a sign as well. A sign so that we can trust that he is ruling, no matter how impossible it may seem. At Christmas, we worship a baby. But the baby Jesus being born is not our sign. There was nothing all that special about Jesus' birth. Well, there, there were the angels and the shepherds. But as, the act, as for the actual act of being born, there's nothing special about that. Everyone on earth has been born. But it's what this baby would grow up to do that is our sign. Jesus would raise himself from the dead. Jesus' resurrection is an undeniable miracle of God. And Jesus' resurrection proves to us that everything that Gabriel said about him was true. That he is the offspring of David long promised. That he is ruling all things for our good. And so we trust that Jesus is king. We can say along with Mary, I am the Lord's servant. In other words, no matter how this world seems to be, I may never understand why things always seem to get worse before they get better. I may never understand why God allows evil to remain in the world. But I do know this. Jesus is on the throne. God has promised that his reign will last forever. God has given me a sign, his resurrection, so that I can trust his promise. And I know that Jesus is ruling everything for the eternal good of each and every one of his servants. And I praise him that I am one of those servants and that he is my king. No matter the state the world seems to be in or wherever it seems to be heading, Jesus, I will let you rule and I will be your servant. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. So with all that in mind, if you're heading over to Target this afternoon, it's still good advice to look for a gift that improves someone's life in some small way. But the better advice is this, to remind that same someone of God's promise to Mary, 
to remind them that God promises them so much more than incremental improvements in their life. God promises to save their life. Jesus is on the throne just as he promised. He is disrupting the succession of sinful generation to the next, not with gradual human improvement, but with the eternal establishment of his reign. God has promised it. God has given us the sign so that we can trust his promise. And no one keeps promises as big as our God. Amen. Amen.